Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Life. My name is Desiree here on Talk Show. Uh, today we're going to be talking about wholeness. That's right. We're going to be talking about wholeness because I believe uh, when it comes to being whole, you know, many of us, we think we're whole, or if we're not whole, then we say, you know, someone else can make us whole if we had a partner. And so I'm here tonight just to share with you that no one can make you whole. The only person that can make you whole is the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are things that you and I must uh, address. And one of the things I want to talk about in this wholeness is before we can be whole with anyone else, we need to be whole with ourselves. And being whole with ourselves, we must be honest. So which area of your life needs to be worked on so that you can become a whole person? Is it your physical life? Is it your relational life? But is it a spiritual life? And sometimes we wonder, does anyone else struggle with focusing on all of these at the same time? I believe as individuals, we have to work on them constantly, not just say, okay, I'm just going to work on myself and then I'm not going to work on being whole with others, but you have to work on yourself first in order for you to be whole with others because no one else can make you whole. You have to make your own self whole by working on yourself. And how we work on ourselves is that we look at areas in our life that we need to work on. And I'm sure every one of us can name at least five things we need to work on, whether it's our attitude, our personality, our behavior. Those are things that we can work on. Those are things that we can, we can, we can strive and obtain. And so many times we'll say, oh, well, this is how I just am. No, that's not just how you are. So if you're rude, you're just going to say this is how you are or things that happened to you in your past life, this is, it has made you to become this way. There comes a point in all of our lives that we must stop the blame game and blaming those who've done us wrong and, take, and become accountable so that we can move on. But the only way that you're going to be able to move on, and that is you have to get over these past hurts. Everyone has hurt us in our lifetime. And you know what? They're going to continue to do it. I don't want to be the, bad, the person to bad, bring you bad news, but let's be honest. People are going to disappoint you, those that are closest to you and those that are the furthest from you. We're going to be disappointed by people. But how do one, how does one move on past the pain and the hurt so that they can become whole? Well, one of the things that we have to realize is that we have to recognize that there needs to be forgiveness. So we need to forgive those who've done us wrong. Then after we forgive those that have done us wrong, then we have to ask the Lord to help us. 
Because, see, forgiven those who have done us wrong, we like to hold on to those pain and that hurt and that memory. You know, it's like we got a recorder in our mind, and it's just constantly playing itself. It's like the battery never ends. It doesn't run out. It just constantly, it's, it's longer than door cell. It just keeps going and going and going. And we have, we just keep playing it over in our mind so that we never want to forget. But what happens is that we find ourselves in another state where something will come up and we'll be like, oh boy, here I am again. This person is going to hurt me. So we automatically assume that somebody is going to hurt us. But we have to get past the hurt if we want to ever be made whole. We have to get past the hurt. We have to get past the things that we feel that people are going to do to us. Because not everybody, okay, is out maliciously to hurt you. Oh, I know sometimes, you know, once we've been hurt, depending on the severity of any situation, we think that somebody is out to really do us harm, but that's not true. Everybody is not out to hurt you, but you can't allow that pain and that hurt that you went through to cause you to not be whole because you're never going to be whole. You're going to be constantly judging every person. You're going to wonder if they're out to do the exact same thing that happened to you. You're not going to have no trust issues. I mean, you are going to have trust issues because you're not going to be able to trust anyone because you don't feel whole. How many times, ladies, for instance, when you were in your younger age, I'm talking about in your early 20s, how many times have you where you found yourself liking a young man, but that young man ended up liking someone else, and it hurt you. And because it hurt you, you had this mindset that I'm never going to find a good man. We have that, that, that syndrome where we just say that all men are bad. You know, we'll never be able to do that. And I'll be the first to say, I have been in relationships before I met my husband, of course, and before I became born again. I had those relationships, and, and, and I found myself getting hurt, and I will always used to say, there's no such thing as a good man. Now, see, during that particular time, in my eyes, there wasn't, because I was like, I was hurt. I was devastated. You know, you put all your, all, everything of you into the relationship, and you get disappointed that, at, to the point that it shatters you. So you walk around not being whole, and you think you are because now you've got this chip on your shoulder, and you're like, oh, so I'm never going to let anyone get that close to me. So you build these walls. Sometimes these walls are so high that even – sometimes they're so high that you wonder if you know how to get over the wall yourself. Have you ever been there? I know I have. And, and, and so you don't know how to be whole. And for years I used to blame that, that situation, if I got into another situation where I, I was liking a young man, I always was reminded of what the other one did. And, and remember the saying that they, they were saying, I think they still say this, I'm not sure now, now that I'm married, I don't even know if they even say this anymore. But back then, they used to say, a woman who has been scorned, when a good man does come her way, she will make the good man pay for the sins of the past man. Now, I'm not sure if I got it worded correctly, but you, you get the idea of what I'm saying, right? So that's what we 
end up doing, but that we're not whole because we think we are, but we're not because now we got this chip on our shoulder, we build a wall, we're, we're, we're more tough, we're more careful with our heart, we're more careful with our feelings, and we're not whole. But you have to allow yourself to go through that pain, and sometimes it's just like uh, the loss of a loved one. When a loved one leaves us, if we don't go through the mourning and the grieving process, we bottle all of that up, those emotions, and it all becomes bottled up, and, we're, and, and we don't want to share it, and we don't want to let it out. And, and what happens, we think that we're strong, but we're not, because you know what happens? Nine times out of ten, we set ourselves up for a complete breakdown. Because, see, we were never created to not have feelings. God created us with feeling, that we, because the Bible tells us that we are to reap and, 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 and have sorrow with those who are in sorrow. Those who have joy, we ought to be joyful with them. And when those who grieve, we ought to grieve with them. So God created us to have emotion so that we can bear one another and be support to one another. God never created us that we were to be a uh, 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 like a, a building with no feelings, made out of martyr, with nothing there. And no, he didn't create us like that. So what do you do when you're trying to get yourself to a life of wholeness with yourself? Well, I gave you some examples. Now what do you do when it comes to others? Because, like I said, wholeness comes when we have allowed ourselves to work on areas in our lives that need to make us whole. And every one of us have an area in our life that needs to be worked on. Now, when others who have disappointed us and hurt us, it's hard to begin at first. I'll be, I'll be the first to say it is. But God works with us, and, and eventually we, we, we forgive. But if we don't forgive those who have hurt us and disappointed us, we find ourselves becoming a prisoner to that individual or to those individuals. But this is my take on how I handle when I have been disappointed by others. When someone disappoints me, I'm the type of person, if you do it once, I'm going to be okay. I'll be hurt, but I'm still going to have a little trust there, and the relationship is still going to be close, but not as close. Because, see, the, the many times a person disappoints you or lies to you or all these things, you start, it, it, it's not like you totally ignore them, but you keep them at a distance. So every time, it's not like you keep a record, so hear me out. It's like every time someone disappoints me, it's not like I have not forgiven them. I've forgiven them, but our relationship is not the way it used to be. And the reason being is because you can't allow people that are always constantly hurting you to be so close to you because God never created us to be a doormat. He, he tells us in his word that we are to forgive people, and that's what we are to do. We are to forgive. We are to make amends. 
and move on. But the relationship is going to be different because I can't allow that person to become so close to me as it was before because now here's the thing. Yes, I can forgive you, but the question now becomes, do I trust you? And see, that's a totally different thing. Yes, God tells me I need to forgive you, but do I trust you? Because, see, you have always kept doing the same thing over and over and over. So now the question becomes, I'm not going to allow you to bring that havoc in my life again. I have forgiven you. I have moved on. Our relationship is not going to be the same. Okay? And so many times we, when we have in relationships with people, we automatically assume that God will restore the relationship. Oh, I'm a firm believer that God can restore the relationship. But when God restores the relationship, it's not going to always be to bring the relationship back to the way it was. Because you and I, it's not going to happen. God will heal that relationship, that you have a different relationship with them. For instance, I have one of my sisters. Love her dearly. When we were growing up, it was just the three of us, three girls. And we, we, we played together. We had friends outside the home that we, we played with, our neighbors next door. And when we became older adults in our 18s and 20s, we became very, very, very close. Me and my, one, my baby sister, we were so close that I thought it would be me and my middle sister. But it was me and my baby sister that became very, very close. Because my middle, my, my the sister that was close to my age, she was more like a mother towards me and my baby sister. It was like, you know what I'm saying? She was always, she was very close to my mom. And, you know, she, she didn't really hang out with a lot of kids in the neighborhood. You know, she played with us. That was it. But my baby sister and I, we would always hang out. And, I mean, I know a lot. We used to party together. I mean, she was young and I was, I was sick of her the club. Now I know you're going to sit there. Don't judge me, okay? I ain't say I was perfect. But that's the relationship that we had. But as my things, as we grew older and she started having kids and I had a daughter, things turned out different because she got married before I did. So things became different. My mom got sick, you know, and I remember that. And when my mom died, things changed. My, my baby sister would always tell me, tell me things and it would get to the point I didn't know what to believe. True, and, and after my mom died and how, you know, I'm not going to lie, she really offended me during the time when my mom was sick and when my mom died. Without me going into all of that, there's no need for that, but I'm just saying it really hurt. And, and I remember going home that night after my mom's funeral, and I, and I got down on my knees and I cried so hard, and I was like, I hated her. That's what I said. I said, I hate her. That, that hate is a hard word. But I'm being honest with you because I'm, I'm hoping that as you listen to this and listen to me to give my testimony, that it will help you in your situation, whatever it might be. And I remember telling the Lord I hated her. And, 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 and I remember God's word telling us that we are not to hate, but we are to love. And I just could not do that because I was like, what sister in her right frame of mind would treat her own sister like this at her mother's funeral. She would not allow me to sit at the table with her at my mom's funeral. And that broke 
the straw for me. I couldn't handle it. I was so glad when that funeral was over to, to just get out of her presence. And I cried and I cried. And over a period of time, I, I, it, took a, it took a long time for me to forgive. I know the Bible tells that we are to forgive immediately, but I'll be the first to tell you, I did not forgive immediately. I wanted to hurt her. I, wanted, I hated her. I wanted her to feel what I felt. I never prayed for her. I did nothing because I was hurt by what she did. But over a period of a year, my mom has been dead almost seven years now. Over a period of a year, I never prayed for her. But towards the next coming year, the Lord started dealing with me. And he said, you're going to forgive her, and you're going to pray for her. Now, I don't know about you, family, but when somebody has done you wrong, it's kind of hard to pray for them. But I said, okay. So I started praying, and the prayer went something like this, bless them, and that was it, and I was off my knees. But that's all I could do at the time. That's, that's a start, right? God just says, make a start. And then every day I started saying, bless the Lord, bless her. Bless her, bless her, bless her, bless her. Then I noticed my prayers started to change. I started praying that God would bless her in her family. God would bless her in her job. God would bless her and her children. I started saying all these things, and I started seeing that my prayer lasted a little longer than what it used to be, because it used to be number second. I started seeing that it was going to minutes, to two, to three, to four to five minutes. And that went on for another year. And then one morning I woke up and I was like, wow, I feel no animosity in my heart towards her. I have forgiven her. Forgiven her and did not know it. Because, see, I always say this. You want to test if you're really forgiven a person If you can remember a time where they've done something to you and you're not agitated by it, you've forgiven them. And so I've forgiven them. And I remember, I think it was like three years after my mom died, I happened to be down at one of the boutique stores here in my hometown, Frederick. And she, I had no idea that she was coming. Because, see, after my mom passed, I never had her phone number no more. And I don't even know if she had mine. If she did, she never called, and I never called her. But in that three-year period, I remember on a Saturday morning, it was like the Lord was telling me to go down to this particular boutique store that, that me and my sisters and my mom would go to on Saturday. We would always go there on Saturday morning. And I was like, I don't feel like going down there. I then had a rough week. I had to work all week. I did not want to go. But the Lord just kept saying, go, 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 go. You know, sometimes when you, you, you sense the spirit and you talking to you and you don't know why, and I've always been the person when the spirit, when I feel that nudge within my spirit, I do whatever that nudge tells me to do. And so I went down to the store that day on that Saturday. I was not in the store no more than five minutes. And Lord and behold, who walks in the door but my baby sister? That's right. She walks in the door after three years. And my first instinct was, oh, boy, how is this going to go? Because I didn't know if she was going to ignore me or what. I knew I had forgiven her, 
I didn't know if she was going to ignore me or what. She walked over to me, gave me a hug, and we went out for lunch. Acted as though nothing never happened. That's what I'm talking about. When God tells us to forgive, God was working not only on my heart, but he was working on her heart at the same time, and that's when I knew right then and there, I am whole. That's right. I am whole, not only whole for myself, but whole for others. So over the period of time, you might be asking, well, how's your relationship with your baby sister? Me and my baby sister to this day do not have a relationship. And you're probably saying, but that, that was such a beautiful experience. Yes, it was a beautiful experience three, uh, three years ago because God wanted that to happen. But as far as a relationship, no. You know why we don't have that relationship? Because after that, she would call me from time to time, and she would always tell me that she's coming up and she never will show. And it got to the point she would have, it got to the point that it was coming a little bit too much, and it, I could not trust. And see, and, and I'm the type of person, if there's no trust, I, I, how, can, how can you have a relationship with a person if you can't trust? Because what would be the relationship built upon? Yes, she's my sister. I love her. I've forgiven her. And I'll always have that. I have those fond memories of us when we were children on up until my mom died. Those are my fond memories of her. But as far as a relationship as sisters, we don't have that. And, and, and see, here's the thing. Do I want that? Oh, with everything within me, I would love to have that relationship. But I can't allow that. And the reason being is because there's no trust. And it's not because it's on my part. It's on her part. If you can't trust a person by what they say that comes from their mouth, to believe them, then your relationship is built on lies. And I don't need a relationship that's built on lies. This is what I'm saying. It's not that I don't want it, and it's not that you don't probably don't want the relationship with someone. But, but see, when God wants us to be whole, he doesn't want us to go back into the miry clay of things where, we just, where he has restored us out of so that we can allow ourselves to be hurt over and over and over again by people. I don't know where we as Christians get this, that once I have forgiven you, that means that our relationship has to be buddy-buddy. No. God does not want us to keep allowing people to hurt us, and that includes family. If I continue to allow myself to have this relationship with my sister, knowing that every time she calls me, she tells me something that I don't believe, then what I am doing is setting myself up for more pain and more agony because I get my hopes up. And that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to still have a relationship with people, but you have to keep it at a, you, you keep it different. Usually you use that word, you keep it different. Now, how do you have a whole relationship with God? Because you, you have it with yourself, you have it with others, and now with God. This comes to your spiritual life. You and I must be whole in our spiritual life. There are things that God tells us that we can't do. He tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13, he says that we are to be holy because I am holy. 
Well, how can you, how are you going to be holy if you're getting involved in the things of this world where God tells us that we are not to do, be a part of? God doesn't want us being involved with the world. God doesn't want us involved with these things that are out here that is going to maliciously hurt us. He says, verse 13, he says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given when given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, for I am holy. You and I must be holy. We can't put our thoughts and things are the things of this world if we're going to be holy. God, you will never find the Lord doing the sins that you and I find ourselves doing. That's not being holy. If we do those, continue doing those sins that are wrong, we're not being holy like God. We're not having the mindset. He told us that the mindset of Christ with self-control. So many of us tell, oh, I can't help myself. I, I can't help myself. I just, I, I, I'm too weak. No, you're not. You're not weak. You, you, you see, you've been telling yourself over and over and over that you're weak, so naturally you're going to be weak when it comes to that area of temptation because you keep telling yourself, the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so he is in his heart. So if you already tell yourself that you're weak, then you're going to be weak in that area because you keep telling yourself, have the mindset of Christ. So in order to have the mindset of Christ, Christ don't have a weak mind. Christ said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He gets his strength from the Father. You and I, where do we get our strength from? We get our strength from Jesus Christ. He's the one that gives us the strength. So change your mindset. That's what we are to do. Be holy because God is holy. So this is how we become wholeness. You, what about your physical life? The Bible tells us in Romans 12, 1 and 8, that we are to be a living sacrifice made unto God. How are you going to have a physical life that's whole? Well, for one, there are many things that you and I do that are not right. We put things in our body to eat that are not healthy for us. But then when we get sick and come down with something, the first thing we want to do is blame the doctor or blame someone else for our sickness and wonder how come we can't get, get it cured or, or, or why are we sick and I need you to pray for me. Well, what have you put in your body? The Bible tells us that our body is to be a living sacrifice. That means don't be eating things that are bad for your health. Eat things that are good for your health, things that are going to, 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 to embellish you and things that are going to uh, uh, give you longevity. But if you're putting junk foods, I remember saying that people used to say, you are what you eat. So if I go around eating potato chips, cakes, and cookies, and pies, and donuts, and, and all that kind of stuff, then I'm eating junk. Then I am junk. Then my body becomes junk. You are the living, you are, your body is the holy temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. So there's no need for us to put junk food in our body. We need to put nourishing things. This is what we do with the physical body. The Bible tells us in First John that that God wish above all things, not only that you prosper in, in, in wealth, but prosper in your health. So many of us are sick in our bodies, and, and maybe you are doing everything that you need to do. Maybe you might be saying, well, that's why I am eating all the good foods I need to be eating, and I, and I exercise and things like that. And, 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 that's, and that's great. And sometimes even when we're doing the right thing, 
sicknesses come in our body. But we can't go and blame and put the blame on somebody else. We can't go and say, oh, God, you made me sick. God is not the author of sickness. He is the author of healing. He is the author of your healer. Satan is the author of sickness. So when sicknesses and disease come in our body, it's an attack from the enemy, not God. Don't blame God. So if we want to be whole, we need to change our physical just as much as we do our spiritual. So we change the physical. We need to get exercising. You putting a fork to your mouth at the dinner table is not exercising. You might be saying, well, on your job, you're on your feet all the time, so you don't have time to come home and, and do an exercise. And I'm going to tell you right now, I used to think the same thing. I even used to say, well, I'm on my feet all day. I don't need to go to the gym. I don't need to do that. And I went to my doctor. My doctor years ago told me, he said, that's what? That's a lot. That is all I does, right? You must work out at least three days a week. And every day you are to get at least 30-minute cardio workout. Because you know why you need a 30-minute cardio workout? Because a cardio workout keeps those vital organs working, like your heart, your lungs, and your kidneys. Any one of them three go bad. That's it for you. So this is what cardio does for you. Cardio is not taking a brisk, I mean, not a brisk walk. Cardio is not taking a stroll. That's not cardio workout. Cardio is anytime you get that heart racing. You got to get that heart up. You know what your heart rate is. Take your face and put it on your pulse at your wrist and behind your ear. Count it for 60 seconds. Multiply it by two. You got your heart rate. So you have to get it up. You have to get it up and then bring it down, up and down. Do intervals. So if you're running for two minutes, for two minutes run two minutes, stop uh, and slow it down for a minute and then pick it up again. Anything to get the heart rate going, riding the bicycle, going swimming, washing the car, um, anything to keep playing a game with your kids outside with baseball, football, whatever it is, you've got to take care of the whole. See, when we think of wholeness, we only think about the exterior. You've got to think about what's going on the inside. So you have to work on all those areas. And, of course, in our emotional life, we need to be whole there. And in our emotional life, is all about peace of mind, which is found in Philippians 4 and 2. Let this mind be also in you, which was in Christ Jesus, which is telling us what? Have a peace of mind. Jesus Christ is going to give you that peace of mind. So many of us are so bombarded with so much distractions that we don't even have a peace of mind. I remember when my mom was alive, and I think we were like, we weren't even in our 20s because we were still living at home. I think we was in our seven, me being 17, my baby sister being 15, and mother sister being 16. And I remember my mom used to say when we were all in school, she was like, one of these days I'm going to have a peace of mind because all of y'all be out of my house. And I was like, I don't know what she meant by that. But I found out later, like, I know exactly what she meant. There's nothing like having peace of mind. You go on your job and you have to deal with all that junk that's on the job. When you come home, you need peace. But see, sometimes you can come into your own home and there'll be chaos. But how are you going to have that peace of mind? See, God tells us in his word that even in the midst of chaos, you can have a peace of mind. That's right. In the middle of chaos, you can have a peace of mind. But the only way you're going to have a peace of mind, you have to put on the mindset of Christ. And what's the mindset of Christ? That I can do all things. Let's go to Philippians 4, 2 and 9. That's right. You have to have the mindset of Christ. Philippians 4 and 2. He said, I plead with you, Asidia, and I plead with you to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you. Am I the right thing? That's Philippians 2. 
Wait a minute. Philippians 4, 2 and 9. All right, four, two, and nine. Okay, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Let me find that peace of mind. Oh, here. This is what he taught. Verse 8. He said, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admonishable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, and the and the God of peace will be with you. That's how you have a peace in a peace of mind. You gotta think on these things. One time, so many of us we are so caught up with everything else that we don't have nothing to be praising God for. You know, just this morning when I was leaving, I'm going to work. Well, not this morning. It, it was today, but it wasn't this morning. Well, every time I go out, I mean, let me slow down. When I'm on the way out in the morning, I always thank God when I get outside. And I'm like, wow, Lord, thank you for the day. Even though today was a hot day, I was like, Lord, thank you for the day. It's hot, but thank God because, you know what, the wind was blowing. So when I came home from work, you know, I went for my walk, and I said, Lord, I'm just going to say thank you. I just want to thank you. Nothing big, just want to say thank you. So praiseworthy. Think of things praiseworthy. See, when we think of things that are praiseworthy and things that are lovely and, nor- and, and, and honorable and, and things that are right and pure, that gives you the peace of mind. See, because if I just went today and I didn't thank God for a beautiful day today, if I didn't thank God for just being God, if I didn't thank him for the flowers, if I didn't thank God for anything today, I would have kept my mind on all the negatives. I would have been worried about that, thinking about that, thinking about that, not seeing the good in that person, blah, blah, blah. And before you know it, I wouldn't have no peace of mind. You know why? Because over a period of time, if you constantly speak negative, 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 and you never think on things that are pure and you never think on things that are lovely and, you know, excellent, it builds up over time. And you find yourself, you never have nothing good to say. You don't have no peace of mind. That's right. You can have peace of mind in chaos. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you don't know, but I'm just telling you, you can't have peace in chaos. Well, my time has been up. So I just want to thank you for tuning in this evening. I hope that you enjoyed today's broadcast, and I'll see you next time on Everyday Life on Talk Show. God bless. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.